You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. God will never allow His glory to be given to another. When men turn from God altogether to worship the devil, God steps in to vindicate His sovereignty, His righteousness, and His holiness. And so that's what these seven bold judgments are all about and why, just in case you were asking yourself the question, why so severe? Well, this is exactly why these judgments are so severe. It's much more appealing to read about God's love and grace than it is to learn about His judgment to come and the eternal punishment for sin. But it's important to understand the full nature of God. Today, Pastor Mike will explain why God's judgments on the sinful world are so severe in the tribulation period. God created mankind and commanded us to worship Him only. In the tribulation period, Satan will be worshipped. God cannot stand that abomination, and His punishment will be poured out. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Revelation chapter 16 as he begins his message, The Bold Judgments. The bowl judgments. Okay, let me begin this message by saying there are some portions of the Word of God that are preached with great joy and delight. Let's say, for example, in uh, a Bible study, we're talking about the subject is the love of God or the provision of God. You know, those really feel good kinds of messages. But listen, gang, this message is not one of them. You know, the psalmist declares uh, concerning the word of God, like, for example, as we're treating those portions that deal with the love of God, the provision of God, uh, the sacrifices that God has made for his people. And in describing those texts of scripture, the psalmist declares in the 19th Psalm, they are sweet like honey. But again, this text is not sweet like honey. I mean, every time... I read and teach this portion of God's book here in the book of Revelation. I got to tell you something. I cringe in awe and wonder. But however, at the same time, I'm comforted knowing that Christians won't be upon the earth as these judgments, as we're about to discover, are poured out upon a Christ-rejecting world. Let me give you a cross-reference for this. And you know what? Over the last couple of weeks, I've given you so many cross-references 
to why I believe that the church is not going to be here during the seven years of tribulation. And this is just one of many. Now, in context, in Luke's Gospel in chapter 21, in verse 36, Jesus himself is speaking about the last days. And he's particularly talking about the seven years of tribulation. He's talking about the judgments that would be poured out upon a Christ-rejecting world just prior to his second coming. And in context, he says, watch and pray. Now, he's, he's addressing his disciples, and that's who you are. You're his disciples. You're members of his church. And so he exhorts them, exhorts us, to watch and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all of these things that shall come to pass. What things? All of the things that we've been reading about now over the last several weeks that are a part of the seven years of tribulation. The various cataclysmic judgments that have been poured out upon the world as God purges uh, the world of sin and prepares it for the second coming of his son, Jesus Christ. But as we go through this chapter, some of you, it may come into your mind, you may be thinking to yourself, why so severe? Why is God so harsh? Well, simply the answer to that question is, Mankind is guilty of violating one of the most fundamental commandments of God. For example, in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 20, and again, this has to do with mankind violating one of the most basic, fundamental commandments of God. Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 through 6. You probably realize that this is a part of the Ten Commandments. Verse 3, chapter 20. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations, of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Okay, so remember now, Satan's desire, and this is the the way it's always been, right from the very beginning of time, Satan's desire for worship has been now satisfied in men worshiping the image of the beast. Remember, in one of our previous studies, I had mentioned that the temple in the city of Jerusalem has now been rebuilt. And during the latter part of the seven years of tribulation, the false prophet erects an image of the Antichrist and places it upon the altar in that rebuilt temple and demands the worship of the entire uh, world. And that's exactly what is happening at this time. So Satan's desire for worship has now been satisfied in men worshiping the image of the beast. But listen, God will never allow his glory to be given to another. When men turn from God altogether to worship the devil, God steps in to vindicate his sovereignty, his righteousness, and his 
holiness. And so that's what these seven bold judgments are all about. And why, just in case you were asking yourself the question, why so severe? Well, this is exactly why these judgments are so severe. Okay, so with that said, that sets the platform, the stage for this study, and it also brings us to our first point, a great or loud voice. Let's begin in verse 1, chapter 16 now in the book of Revelation. Then I heard a loud voice in your revised versions of the Bible. I'm reading out of the New King James Version, and there the translation states, then I heard a loud I prefer the King James Version that rather declares, then I heard a great voice. I prefer the translation great voice, just to make the point that I'm about to make uh, in just a moment. But hang on to that. So either or would be correct. Then I heard a great or a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels that were about to be introduced to, who possessed the seven bowls or seven vials, that are going to be poured out upon a Christ-rejecting world. And with each bowl or vial that's poured out, there is a corresponding cataclysmic uh, judgment that takes place upon the face of the earth, even as was the case with the prior seal judgments and also the trumpet judgments, right? You remember those? So then I heard a great loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. Okay, so the seven angels that we're introduced to here are now to proceed with the execution of judgment. And notice the word loud or great. I prefer the word great. A great voice. This is not the only place in this one chapter where we read a great voice. Notice not only in verse 1, but also in verse uh, 17. And we'll get to that in just a moment. You know, the world uses this word great so loosely. Most of the time it's used to peddle the world's products or the world's wares. For example, they say, well, this is great and uh, in advertising. It's great beer. Or, uh, that was a great sporting event. Or, wasn't that a great motion picture? Etc., etc., etc. Or, they might use the word fabulous. Oh, it's just fabulous. Or, it was amazing. Or, it was sensational. Or, it was super. But listen, man will have produced nothing to compare with the greatness of the coming judgments that will fall upon the earth. All of the terrible events throughout the history of mankind, its wars, Hitler, the Holocaust, were mere rehearsals for the great and final drama of the last judgment on earth. And so, a loud, great voice precedes these judgments. Now that brings us to the judgments themselves, and it also brings us to our second point, And again, if you're taking notes, write this down. The seven bowl judgments and its effects. And we're going to go through each one of them. Okay, let's pick up now in verse 2. Let's go back to chapter 16 in verse 2. So the first went, the first who? The first angel, 
and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worship the image. And by the way, uh, they coincide with one another. If you've taken the mark of the beast, that represents that you are a worshiper of the Antichrist. Okay, so the first judgment, notice, according to verse 2, is directed at the worshipers of the Antichrist. It is aimed particularly at idolatry. And here, men who have taken the mark of the beast and are worshiping him are physically inflicted in the form of bodily sores or boils. So this is the first bowl judgment. You know, this is the same kind of plague that came upon Egypt when Pharaoh hardened his heart and refused to let God's people go. I'll give you a cross-reference. In the book of Exodus, in chapter 9, in verses 8 and 9, we read, So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, now God is counseling Moses on how he was to go about in persuading Pharaoh to let his people go. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take for yourselves handfuls of ashes from a furnace, and let Moses scatter it towards the heaven in the sight of Pharaoh, and then in verse 9, and it will become fine dust in all the land of Egypt. And notice, it will cause boils that break out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land of uh, Egypt. Okay, so, once again, this is the same kind of plague that came upon Egypt when Pharaoh hardened his heart, and refused to allow God's people to go. And so, in the last days, many will be seduced into apostasy, into idolatry, but they will pay for that. Notice these loathsome boils, these noisome, painfully bad, grievous boils, and it falls upon all who have taken the mark of the beast. And listen, gang, There's no prevention for this. There's no vaccine for this. There's no cure for this. You know, talk about COVID virus. I mean, think about this, right? Okay, so that is the result of and the effect of the first bowl judgment being poured out upon men. Now, verse 3, let's go on. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood, as of a dead man, and notice, every living creature in the sea died. Now, we can only imagine the effect that that would have. It would actually deplete the fishing industry all uh, together. And also, remember, uh, the result of the prior cataclysmic uh, judgments that have already fallen upon the face of the earth, uh, all of them combined adds to a wide world famine upon the face of the earth that's already taking place. So this just wipes out all of the uh, fish, the fishing industry there in the uh, seas. So all of the rest of the seas that have not already been affected by the previous cataclysmic plagues and judgments are now affected. Remember back in chapter 8, and that, this particular judgment was a part of the trumpet judgments. There in chapter 8, in verse 8, we are told that 
a great mountain was thrown into the sea, probably describing some kind of a meteorite, meteorite uh, shower. And the result of that was, back then, one-third of the sea became like blood. Remember, in one of our previous studies, we talked about it. It was a part of the trumpet judgments. And so now, uh, here, the result of the second bowl being poured out upon the seas, the stench of the water, its chemical makeup, is like the blood of a dead man. And folks, it is worldwide. So that's the second bowl judgment and its effect. Well, let's go on. Verses 4 through 7. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, that is the fresh water supplies, and they became blood as well. And I heard the angel of the water saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be. Obviously, this is a description of Christ. Because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. For it is their just due. This is interesting. It's sort of like those that are in heaven viewing this whole thing playing out is basically saying, hey, listen, it's about time. I mean, think about it. After thousands of years of God's love, God patience with mankind, God working, right? Think about that. And then finally, God moves and God judges. And notice what it says there in the latter part of verse 6. For it is their just due. And then I heard another from the altar saying, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your uh, judgments. Now I want you to think about something. You know, we mustn't ever presume upon the long-suffering of God. You know, this is how it usually plays out. You know, someone does something in total disobedience to God's Word, and then we're just kind of waiting for the axe to fall. But you know what? The axe doesn't fall. Because God is patient with us. God is long-suffering. The Bible tells us that He's not willing that any should uh, perish. And so we think to ourselves, hey, you know what? I got away with that. But listen, we mustn't ever presume upon the long suffering of God because you just never know. You know, when the stench of our sins come up before God and then God says, I've had enough, and then judgment comes. Now, I'm not going to suggest that there's some kind of a, an imaginary line that when we cross over it, You know, God judges us, beats us over the head or or whatever. But I do know what the Bible declares in the book of Genesis, where there we are told, my spirit shall not always strive with men. So listen, let let me ask you something. Have you been putting off something that you know you need to correct? You know, getting around to some sin, dealing with some sin in your life, and you've kept putting it off, putting it off, and you've been presuming upon the long-suffering of God, and the patience of God? Hey, you never know. Listen, the axe may fall. So we need to be very, very careful about this. So anyway, here the third angel extends the blood-like judgment 
to the fresh water rivers and lakes, as well as the springs that feed them. So this is the third bowl judgment. And notice the justice of this judgment lies in the fact that the wicked are being judged on the basis of their judgment upon innocent victims. They're just getting their just deserves. Notice what again, what it says there in verse 6. For they, that is those whom this judgment has fallen upon, have shed the blood of saints and prophets. And you have given them, because of that, blood to drink. For it is their just due. And then it goes on in verse 7, and I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. So true and righteous are your judgments. Listen, I want you to know this. In heaven, in eternity, God's dealing with man is never brought into question. You know, how many times I've heard someone say, you know, if God is supposed to be a loving God and a just God, why does he allow such suffering to go on in the world? Now, let me first of all, usually when I hear that, I'll usually respond. And it's usually uh, spoken by someone who's not a Christian, who doesn't have any kind of a relationship with God. But they're confused about that. You know, why did God allow such a terrible thing like, and you fill in the blank, to happen to me or someone that I love, you know, when God is supposed to be a good God? Well, first of all, I'll respond by someone asking that question, and I'll say, hey, listen, have you given your life to Christ? Well, listen, if you haven't, God isn't under any obligation to sustain you. Life for you is just a crapshoot, right? There's no rhyme or reason to the things that are going on in your life. You don't have the hope that all things work together for good because you don't love God. You haven't been called according to his purposes. You haven't given your life's control over to him. So therefore, he is not under any obligation to sustain you or to provide for you. You've refused that, right? So that's the way that we respond to it. But listen, in heaven, let me say this again. In heaven, there's no question in eternity concerning God's dealing with man. That is never called into question. What does it say there? Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Then, and by the way, that's the, that I mentioned that that's the third uh, bold judgment. I think I may have already mentioned that. Well, let's go on. Then in verses 8 and 9, Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men in fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God, who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent, nor they did it give him glory. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. Oh, my That's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. Did you know that you can listen to Pastor Mike's teachings on your favorite podcast app? Just search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio and be sure to subscribe. And let us know you're a listener in the comments. We'd love for you to join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship, too. 
Check harvestnyc.org for service times. You can reserve your seat by clicking on contact and then the register link. We're located in Midtown Manhattan, and there's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. If you're not in the area, or if you're unable to attend in person, we'd still like to have you be a part of our time studying God's Word. We're live streaming our services each week, and you can connect on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. If you'd like to catch previous Sunday messages, click on the Resources tab. You can also watch services through our Vimeo link or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Links to all of these are available at our website. One more time, that's harvestnyc.org. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to ask you to join us in praying for all those listening to Pastor Mike's teachings. Please pray for open hearts and open ears to hear and accept truth. Thanks for praying, and thanks for joining us today. We look forward to our continuing study of Revelation next time, here on In My Father's House. There's a place for